Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, and I love talking about weed. So let's get started, shall we? I like to open things up uh, with a section that I call Stoner Moments in celebration and jest of being high while I do this. Speaking of which, I'm smoking some Super Dream, which is a Super Silver Haze and Blue Dream blend. Uh, and I've also mixed it with some Canatonic, which is a CBD dominant strain, which isn't anything new if you've listened to my podcast before, but I definitely wanted to make sure that I was smoking some CBD today because that's what we're talking about. But first, stoner moments. Stoner moments are where I talk about things from earlier podcasts that I wish I had said differently or would like to expound upon or maybe even perhaps said incorrectly. So this is my chance to correct myself. Uh, and I think it's an important part of the podcast because I want to make sure that you guys are getting good information. So let's get to it. Last time we were talking about testing and I went over some test results that I had on hand and there was a line graph specifically that was duplicated on both the cannabinoid uh, page and the terpene page. Now that totally confused me, but it clearly shows that, you know, these are the things that popped up and it is the same graph and it's just listed differently on two different pages. Like I said, everybody understands information differently and clearly that one went way over my head. The next thing I want to bring up is something that I think I completely forgot to bring up in the last one as well, which is expected THC versus the listed THC content or THCA content specifically. Because when you have an acidic form of a cannabinoid and you apply heat, thereby decarboxylating it, you actually lose some weight and therefore percentage of that molecule. So if you have maybe 20% THCA, you're going to have an expected THC yield of closer to 17%. I meant to look up the equation before I started this and I didn't and I'm a little pressed for time. So I'm just going to move on. But I think it's about 0.08 somewhere in there. I don't think it's as high as 0.8. I think it's 0.08. But you do lose some of the, the molecular weight. So what you see isn't always exactly what you're going to get. And that's another reason why it's so much more profitable to give you an overall THC content. It's not indicative of your projected experience, however. Another thing that I totally kind of forgot to mention was testing on edibles. When you test on edibles, you want to test the oil material that you're going to be using, whether that be a concentrate or a can of butter that you've infused. But you don't want to take, you don't want to make brownies and then take the brownies in because that's going to give you some pretty skewed results. And that that is advice that was given by Jeff Robber of the workshop in regards to people who are wondering how to get their products tested, specifically their edible products tested. Now you, I would still look into that too, because the process that you use to create the edible can change its final cannabinoid output. So I think maybe having testing on edibles should be its own podcast. It's kind of its own separate thing and definitely deserves more information. But not right now. 
Uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, I wish that there was more genetic testing being done on strains that are showing up as CBD rich. I did go over some of the genetic strains that are coming about, and I'm going to go over a little bit of the genetic testing again, specifically for CBD. But overall, I just really kind of wish it was being more focused on. Let's see. Oh, I'm constantly uh, enthralled with what shows up as popular material in iTunes and, and on my website. And one of the more popular podcasts, which I assumed would be the case, is the Indica versus Sativa, uh, specifically part one. And I think mostly because people are, that's the biggest question that they have is, do I need an Indica or Sativa and how do I know the difference? Um, there are other ones too. So I've gone back and listened to some of those to kind of see what people are listening to again. And it made me have other things that I wish that I had said. So I'm going to go over some stoner moments from even earlier episodes. Now, I think during the weed and depression one, um, this is not one I was listening to. It's just one that bothered me. I think I made an unfounded claim about the availability of body stimulating strains out there. I mean, it really was unfounded. I think I said it was something like a quarter and that's totally not the case. That's me being really biased about the availability and my personal preferences have kind of blinded me to a whole lot of the market. And I realized that afterwards and I was like hey that's not good information I should I should make sure I I retract that so I am officially retracting that look and see what's available and see what it does to your body from the trichomes and cannabinoid podcast one of the things that I didn't mention is when you're making extracts you'll actually be able to see the husk the cellular husk of the trichome without the cannabinoid material in it after you've extracted it, whether that be with a coconut oil or a butane or pentane, however you do it, you'll actually be able to see the empty husk of the trichome. Uh, if you look at it with a microscope beforehand and afterwards, it's really crazy to, to kind of check out the result of that process. Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about when I was talking about the cannabinoids, I had mentioned that I believed CBC was the primary cannabinoid, and I did say that I wasn't sure about that. And in looking it back up again, it's actually CBG, that's Charlie Bravo Golf instead of Charlie Bravo Charlie, and it's the, the CBG, uh, the cannabigerol, that actually converts either into CBC, THC, or CBD. Now, CBD has kind of exploded in the media and in the medicinal marketplace as this kind of miracle component of cannabis as a, a completely different alternative to THC. And, and some people are really, really quick to keep it in a completely different realm than THC. But the truth is, is that it's still a cannabinoid and it's still being investigated and learned about. Uh, so there's a lot of convoluted information out there. You should always be really discerning about the information, you, even for me, God, especially for me. Did you just hear all those stoner moments that I went over? Anyway, um, but while we are still really learning about CBD and its properties and what it can do for people, uh, it's actually one of the oldest that 
the scientific community discovered. It was discovered in 1940, shortly after CBN was discovered, which is a different cannabinoid, another degradation of THC. Uh, Again, CBG derives into CBC, THC, and CBD, and then CBC, THC, and CBD will further degradate into other cannabinoids. And that's one of the reasons why they're still discovering all of these cannabinoids, over a hundred variations of cannabinoids. CBD has its own variations. CBDA and CBD are the most popular and the most sought after at this point in time, however. Now, CBD was first discovered in 1940, like I said, after shortly after the discovery of CBN, or cannabinol, uh, which is, as I've said, one of the degradants of THC, THC being tetrahydrocannabinol. Uh, So THC was actually discovered in 1964 because we knew about CBN, and it was discovered to be a variant. However, CBD wasn't really looked after uh, because in 64, again, this was after prohibition before the Controlled Substances Act, but some of the research that certainly led to the Controlled Substances Act. CBD was discovered in the same process, but they were after the reactive ingredient in cannabis, the psychoactive uh, primary ingredient in cannabis. So CBD was kind of written off as not being the primary ingredient of hashish, not having uh, any potency and therefore any real medicinal value. Whereas CBN clearly led to the discovery of THC, But by then, they weren't interested in how to control the potency anymore. They were looking on on a reason to ban it. In the 40s, what they were looking for still focused on a way to control its potency. Uh, it, It was pretty late in the pharmaceutical game. Most pharmaceutical companies had stopped really looking into cannabis as an alternative medicine because it was so difficult to study. Um, But this was also in the the nascent stages of the the tablet or pill craze in Western medicine, where, you know, the snake oil remedies had kind of gone out of the way, and they were really looking towards science to answer a lot of questions and, and give people an easy answer, an easy remedy. Uh, Vitamin C was a tablet, aspirin was becoming a tablet, and people were kind of in awe how they could take this one thing, and it was consistent and effective. And cannabis does not do that. Cannabis plays with so many of our systems because of its unique chemistry, its cannabinoid profile, and its terpene profile. Those things play together with the endocannabinoid system, which is made up of at least two cannabinoid receptors that we know of, and the synergistic effects of the entire cannabinoid plant are what is responsible for its varying effects. Now, that's a, this is a little redundant for some of you who are listening to my podcast regularly, but I have a feeling that some people will just be listening to this, so bear with me, all right? Now, this varied composition has a name in the scientific community. It is called the entourage effect. 
And the best way I can really kind of simplify how to think about this is that CBD works best with a little THC. THC works best with a little CBD. It's kind of like a, the idiom, use a pinch of salt in everything you bake and a pinch of sugar in everything you cook. In uh, very much the same way, if you want to really experience CBD, don't be afraid of a little bit of THC. I've talked about the CBD Chiba Chews before that have 50 megs of CBD and two megs of THC. It's a great alternative and those two megs of THC don't act against the CBD. They really work with it. And for those of you who are using THC to fight a lot of things, whether it be pain-related, chronic pain, or uh, whether it be cancer or chronic disease such as lupus, then uh, using CBD with your THC can really help impact the speed with which you recover. Uh, it can, they really play well together. And of course, this is all still going to be further affected by the terpenes that are at play, but that's another podcast that you can look at for terpenes. When it comes to CBD, cannabidiol, and the endocannabinoid system, there is suggestion that it plays with both the CB1 and the CB2 receptors, though I believe one gets more affinity or it, CBD has more affinity as, as the scientific term goes for one receptor than the other. But again, this information is kind of convoluted and not really well understood. So the point is to go after you, what you need. And I will definitely have a podcast about the endocannabinoid system and what we know about it and how you can use an understanding of that to better find out which cannabis is good for you, potentially, or at least help you narrow down your choices. Uh, but that'll have to be another time. This time we're talking about CBD and it works in a lot of mysterious ways, but we know for sure that it acts as a neuroprotectant. It, it works with the nervous system in order to create a balance within it, uh, create a sense of homeostasis. And a lot of patients describe this effect as a sense of well-being. So when you use CBD, it should be with the intent of a feeling of well-being. Studies have been shown that people who are already okay with themselves, who maybe are just using cannabis more recreationally than medicinally, though some would say all recreational use is medicinal, but if you are already at a sense of well-being, if you don't have a lot of mental or physical disorders, the effects of CBD will pretty much be lost on you. They, they might just make you a little sleepy and you probably won't enjoy it very much. It'll be a bunk experience for you as the saying goes on the street. However, for those of us who, who suffer from pain, anxiety, inflammation, uh, both in the joints and neuroinflammation, uh, concussions, uh, things like that, or, or inflammation along the spine, uh, people who suffer from chronic or idiopathic pain, uh, those who suffer from lupus, fibro, MS, and seizures, all of these neurological issues can be remedied 
with CBD. Now, maybe not CBD alone. Uh, It might come down to CBD and THC. It might come down to CBD and CBDA. It might come down to CBD and THCA. There are a lot of different combinations. And even though the research is, is really learning more about what those combinations can do, the differences in personal body chemistry, even on a day-to-day or hour-to-hour basis, can really affect the final outcome of success or failure when treating these conditions with cannabis. There are a lot of ways that you can use CBD. There are concentrates, you can smoke it in the flower, you can vape it, you can eat it. Um, Tinctures are a really popular option. You can also use it topically. But whenever you get CBD, you want to know for sure that it's being tested. And this is mostly an issue when it comes to edibles and flour. I think a lot of places are touting these products without having proper test materials. They they just kind of tell you, no, 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 it's tested. Yeah, it's got 50 megs and there's no proof of it. You really need to have proof. Another really popular way to kind of prove that it was tested is to tell you the ratio. And ratios can be good for people who know what they need, um, but they aren't all the math. They still leave you with plenty of algebra to do. A 50 to 1 ratio sounds amazing, right? That would be CBD to THC. You would have a 50 megs of CBD to 1 meg of THC. But that doesn't necessarily really count for anything. Maybe in a tincture, they could control it that way. But when you're talking about a flower, you're not going to get 50% CBD to 1% THC. That's just astronomically high. You could have an amazing flower that actually comes out at 25% CBD to a half percent THC. That's kind of unheard of, but that's also a 50 to 1 ratio. So what is it? Uh, and more likely you're having 12.5% CBD to 0.25% THC, which is also kind of unheard of, but a 50 to 1 ratio. So to me, ratios don't mean dick. This can of tonic that I have is a 5 to 2 ratio, and I don't know if that's 5% CBD to 2% THC, or if that is 10% CBD to 4% THC, or if that is 15% CBD to 6% THC. I have no idea. The quality of the bud uh, could give me some tips, but it's not an answer. The only way to know for sure that bud is CBD rich or CBD dominant is to have it tested by a laboratory. And you want to make sure that these places are using independent third-party laboratories. And ask to see the test results. Make sure that, that they have those papers in hand and they can actually show them to you. Don't settle for a ratio. Don't settle for, oh, will the grower test it? because that's probably bullshit. And even if the grower does test it, then the grower should be able to make copies or send an email to the dispensary so that they can prove it as well. A lot of dispensaries are saying that they have Charlotte's Web and they don't have the test results to prove it. The genetics aren't still there. Charlotte's Web is the most popular 
CBD rich strain. It has its own legislation. It's the strain that is featured on all, as of this point, I believe three weed specials on CNN by Dr. Gupta. And it is proprietary to the Stanley brothers, uh, the Stanley family. Now, I I have a really hard to swallow feelings about the Stanley brothers. On one hand, they've done amazing things to bring awareness and to help children in need, to help anybody in need. Um, my problem comes from some claims that they made early on in the CNN weed specials where they misled people to believe that they had practically invented CBD as a cure instead of really clarifying that they had bred a CBD dominant strain over generations of plants uh, specifically for cancer fighting. But they were not the first to invent CBD. In fact, they created Charlotte's Web through two well-known CBD rich strains, Harlequin and Sour Tsunami, um, both of which also are known for having a THC content in most variants or phenotypes uh, for the more botanical term. And so, through, so they started with a CBD and a THC rich strain. And through the, the breeding of those, they were able to get a higher and higher CBD content. Now, CBD is created a couple of ways. It's created through the genetics of the plant and also through its growing conditions. It's not invented. It's inherent of the cannabis plant and can develop in any strain in, depending on the conditions. Super Silver Haze is one that I can think of right now that is being touted as a CBD-rich strain because it has 3% CBD in it in certain batches. That doesn't make it a CBD strain that is well known. Charlotte's Web would be one. Harlequin, Sour Tsunami, ACDC, uh, Canatonic that I'm smoking is one of my favorites. Canna Tsunami is a Canatonic Sour Tsunami blend. And more and more are becoming popular as CBD rich strains. The genetics may clue us into some of it. You know, but cannabis is so like us on so many levels in the sense that it's really complex and it's not just about nature. It's not just about its genetics. It's also about the nurture. And so CBD can develop in a plant depending on its exposure to sun and light. Uh, the cannabinoids help protect the plant, same as the terpenes. They I, I've said on other podcasts that, you know, we don't fully understand how these things really play into how the plant communicates with other plants. And we know some things. We know that terpenes act as antifungals, antibacterials, that it, it wards off predators, it helps protect it from sunlight and UV light. Uh, but we still don't really have a great understanding so when CBD develops, we don't fully understand why all the time. We're still getting to that point. If you want to grow CBD, you can, I would suggest getting the seeds from a reputable seed grower, not 
not just any dispensary that has a seed program, because chances are what has happened is a plant hermed infected their entire crop and they're just trying to recoup any cash that they can from that particular failure. And they aren't going to be promised to be feminized and the genetics aren't guaranteed at all. So if you do do that, before you invest a bunch of time and money, get the leaf tested. That will indicate whether or not that plant has any CBD in it, which will give it a much higher likelihood to produce CBD when it resonates in the flowering stage. So these are some of the things that the Stanley Brothers did in order to help create Charlotte's Web, which began as a cancer treatment for, I think, a family friend or family member, I'm not sure, for the Stanley Brothers. And then they were introduced to Charlotte, who was a young girl who was suffering from Gervais syndrome, which is a terrible neurological uh, disorder that was giving her seizures on a regular basis. And they created a higher and higher CBD flower using the testing and genetics and nurture in order to create a concentrate that would help her neurological system be in a better state of homeostasis. Now, I believe that Charlotte's Web is listed as a sativa. CBD can come in both sativa and indica because the terpenes are still present and people will still be affected by them. Your hormones are still going to respond. Your brain still responds, even if the THC isn't in these great numbers in order to... uh, to magnify the effects in your body uh, by, by going through your brain. But your body still knows that they are there. Some people respond to them more than other people do. CBD doesn't magnify the effects like THC does, but depending on your condition, if you're looking more for use of CBD for your migraines, you might want to make sure that you have a, a sativa-leaning CBD-dominant strain. If you are looking more towards anxiety relief or uh, fibromyalgia, chronic pain relief, you might, you probably want to look towards an indica dominant and get a lot of that relaxation still. But it might be counterintuitive to think that a sativa CBD dominant strain could help children with seizures. And that counterintuitiveness is part of experimenting with cannabis. So what are some things to expect other than just well-being when you're using CBD? Uh, one of the ways that I liked to to say it was that I feel lubricated emotionally and physically. My joints feel smoother, like they, they move more efficiently. And I'm able to get to a place of logic, push through the emotion, uh, much more quickly than I am when I'm not medicating with CBD. I've noticed that I have a much more successful response system in place when I'm regularly medicating with CBD. And I mean, I just, I make better decisions in retrospect. I I feel more confident in myself And even though CBD isn't the only part of cannabis that helps me deal with depression, I feel it's been a very important part 
in the reparation and in pursuing a successful battle against depression. But again, it's only one part of a battle in, against depression. Uh, you know, things like a good diet play into that a lot as well. And CBD has been found, or CBD-like substances, I should say, have been found in other things like uh, flaxseed was one. Um, possibly chocolate is another. And while we are learning about the endocannabinoid system, it probably will come to play that a lot of these foods that are homeopathic and which science hasn't been able to prove actually benefit the body in any real practical way, we may come to find that in small doses, these cannabinoid-like substances are in foodstuffs. Uh, and it could back up some of the anecdotal indications of the benefits. Now, it, it's going to be clear that these studies are quick to align this cannabinoid-like process to CBD and not THC for a couple of reasons. One, because it's not getting you high high, it seems, um, but also because CBD is the safer alternative. It's seen as um, safe for children, and that is absolutely true, but THC isn't exactly harmful in fact, THC might be the medicine a lot of children need because CBD isn't going to be the answer alone or for everything. But I've already said that, so I'm going to move on. Uh, one of the foodstuffs that CBD may be present in are hemp products. Uh, however, the CBD that is available, because again, it's like the leaf material that you're testing super crazy minute amounts, so minute that in order to get any kind of real uh, therapeutic benefit, you have pushed so much of that leaf material into it as well, that it, it, it can really be contraindicative. It can diminish the overall benefits of the CBD because if they've packed it uh, with chlorophyll and, and some people, their stomachs respond really badly to that. And, and not just the hemp products that you find on Amazon, homemade products too. People who use alcohol solutions that are either really watery or have sat too long and have leached a lot of that chlorophyll material out of there. It can be very upsetting for some people's stomachs. Uh, but also, again, going back to the issue of it's industrial hemp and we don't know the processes that are used. A lot of these people aren't using third-party laboratories. Uh, and those that are... I have seen some companies that look to be on the up and up. Their information is legit and they seem to be trying to do third-party testing, but it doesn't change the fact that CBD and hemp just isn't going to be in the quantities needed. And we can see that when we look at the medical states and the amazing quality that you get from there. Now, there are a lot of players in the CBD game. Um, I know that Project CBD is a website that I've talked about a lot and I respect them a lot. They have a financial interest in this. They have their own products. Um, the Stanley Brothers have some great information. I'm going to have some links uh, to their website and to uh, Reddit AMA that one of the Stanley Brothers did. And I talk a lot of shit 
or I have I have been very upset when I bring up the Stanley brothers in previous podcast. And that's one because of the misleading information that they had in earlier uh the earlier part of their fame. Uh, but my biggest issue is really with the American public. The fact that we need this this blonde, waspy uh, family in order to be a poster child for medicine, kind of setting themselves up at these new wave Kennedys, instead of actually looking at the practical reality of the situation, which is the millions of people, uh, particularly black people who are locked up, who have been using this, they didn't know anything. Oh, but look at those tall, strapping white boys. They must know what they're talking about. It's fucking pathetic but I'll also admit that they are doing good things. And as long as they keep their information good, that's a hell of a lot better. Uh, but America, get your shit together. Um, but you're, if you're really interested in canna business and, and all the canna industry and all that kind of stuff, the Stanley Brothers are ones to watch. They are going to be huge players in the genetic wars that are going to be inevitable, uh, specifically since, obviously, they really want to lay claim to Charlotte's Web. They're also going to be big players in creating the pricing standards uh, and testing standards for CBD. And accessibility and testing are, are obviously huge issues. Market demand makes up a lot of it. And a lot of dispensaries will say that there is no demand uh, because they aren't touting it either. It's People are confused and, and the seedier a dispensary looks the less likely somebody trying to find specifically CBD is going to be to walk into it. Uh, The people who are really, really timid about trying cannabis in general are going to be going towards CBD. And that's great. I think it's a perfect option for them. I have certainly used CBD to help many people discover the benefits of cannabis. Uh, And in fact, another benefit of using CBD is that it does play against THC in some ways. If you use CBD before THC, it can mitigate a lot of the anxiety and paranoia that can come with it. It can also uh, mitigate that anxiety and paranoia after the fact, though not as effectively. Uh, And that goes both for smoking or vaping it and eating it But again, eating it is going to depend on your metabolism. And I do have an edibles podcast. If you want to know more about that, I talk about CBD and edibles there. Uh, But right now, CBD pricing and testing, again, testing is very underdone and do not accept a ratio as a test result. Um, But pricing is crazy all over the map, depending on if you're getting it grower direct Or if you're in a market where people know that this is an item in demand. Or if you go to a dispensary that is like, I can't get rid of this shit. I'll fucking give it to you for like 200 an ounce. And I've really seen places, the pricing goes from $175 an ounce to $420 an ounce. When you're getting it in the edible range, you're looking at about a dollar for 10 migs. Uh, all the way up to about $2 for 
for 10 megs and even higher. Those places on Amazon that get the shitty stuff, they charge insane amounts of money for this stuff. All because people are desperate. It doesn't take any harder a time to grow if you know that you have a CBD dominant strain. It isn't any harder to grow than any other cannabis. There's nothing else special about it. And I would say that even the testing doesn't give people the right to charge more because they should have the THC dominant strains tested as well. All of your fucking cannabis should be tested. So the point is, if you're looking for CBD, shop around. There are people out there that aren't going to try and just steal your wallet. And then there are people that want to steal your wallet and your car and your house and have you beg for more. Fucking assholes. Don't be a sucker. Medical states really are the best place right now. And that's why you're seeing people flock to, to places like California and Colorado uh, places that have legislation that gives CBD rich cannabis a chance. One, they're usually over restrictive just on top of being impractical. Again, there's no way to know for sure what kind of cannabis is CBD rich until you test it. So it's an impractical legislation to enforce. Not to mention that almost all of them have crazy medical restrictions in order to qualify as a medical condition. Uh, I was just reading an article, and I think I reposted it on Facebook from High Times, about how the Illinois medical marijuana industry, simply because they don't have the patient base to support the industry regulations cost uh, because the qualifying conditions are so restrictive. But they've been able to create these crazy things because of the lack of good information, the lack of education, the the money grabbing that's going on. So even though, like I've said, Project CBD, the Stanley Brothers, they have a lot of financial interest, uh, the workshop, uh, a lot of these places, go to a medical state for information and then go to the places that give away the information first. You know, Project CBD, just because they have their own... Uh, product line now doesn't mean that they don't have good information and it doesn't seem to be convoluting their information, though it's always something to be, you know, to always have in the back of your head um, and, and, and to watch them. But I am always going to go to the people who gave the information away, who gave good information away first. Uh, CBD Crew is a, is a website that... Uh, some of their information is hit or miss with me. Uh, I I don't like going to hemp sites specifically, but there have been good ones out there. That I think I was supposed to be reading Bluebird. They had really solid information. I still would not get any of their products. Look at reviews. See what people are saying. If they're saying that it's dark and gunky, I don't think that's good medicine. I think that... Even high cannabinoid content in the company of too much chlorophyll and potential other pollutants just isn't worth it. Isn't worth it. All right, I'm running out of time here. Uh, let's see. A couple things. I did want to do a safety really quick first. I wanted to talk about 
Hempwick, uh, specifically Humboldt Hempwick, which is my favorite. I did talk about them on my first podcast, uh, The Getting to Know You, but I wanted to, to really just give them a safety. Hempwick is hemp rope that has been dipped in beeswax and is used to remove butane as a heat source when you are smoking cannabis or your weed, when you're smoking a bowl. And I have found, and a lot of other people agree, that it enhances the flavor by removing the butane. Now, if you're a cigarette smoker, it might not even be noticeable to you, or if maybe you have smell issues, but the flavor of your cannabis also affects your overall experience with cannabis. So it can be a really big game changer. Uh, and another part too is uh, when you use a butane lighter, apparently you get a little bit of a buzz from the butane itself, which is the first buzz to wear off and can make you feel like you aren't as high as you should be or as you were. And when you remove that element from it, you'll notice that your high changes. It comes on a little bit slower. It's a little bit cleaner. It isn't as buzzy, uh, I have found. And then it gives me better flame control as well. Humboldt Hempwick is by far my favorite for quality. Uh, the wax isn't gunky. And there are different thicknesses of the hemp wick. There's fine, uh, and then, oh, and I didn't look it up. I, there's three different thicknesses. One is full. I think there's full. One is fine. And I think maybe the third one is regular, the middle one. Uh, let's see, it's fine, full, and heavy. I really prefer their full version. Uh, though currently I have the fine, the full, and the heavy because of a shipping mix-up uh, where I had ordered the full. They sent me the fine and in replacing it, they sent me a roll of the heavy just in case. And seeing that as I had ordered the 250 foot roll, since I use Hempwick every day, though admittedly less now that I'm dabbing, uh, I am so stocked in Hempwick and their customer service is amazing. And I just want to give them a shout out for that. So thanks for being awesome, guys. I know that Hempwick by Hippies is another really popular option, though every day it seems like there are more Hempwick options out there. I don't get Hempwick from Hippies because of the shipping, being on the West Coast, them being on the East Coast. It just, yeah, it... it the quality wasn't as nice to me as Humboldt Traders Hempwick was, but it's also, I'm like, I'm not going to knock their quality. Uh, it's kind of on the same level as the Hempwick that you get from Hemplite, which is how I use my Hempwick. If, uh, if you still haven't listened to the first podcast, I talk about the Hemplite a little bit more, which is a casing for my Bic lighter that holds several feet of Hempwick and has a tube with which to snuff it out, which is the best part in my opinion. So yeah, I just, if you want to try something different with your stoner game or you really want to enhance the flavor, you, you're getting all this amazing connoisseur grade weed now and you want to treat her like the lady she is, get yourself some hemp wick. 
specifically go to Humboldt Traders and get some of their Hempwick. Or if you're on the East Coast, I suggest something a little closer, and that's Hempwick by Hippies. I will have links to both of those on my website. Don't forget that we're still doing the glass giveaway, guys, too. I have a glass pipe that I am giving away. The way to enter is to like and or share the Facebook post and like and or share the Twitter post that I have pinned to my page, the Spliff Podcast. You have to like the original post and share from the original post in order to be counted just because there's I don't have the metrics abilities to do it any other way. I, anyway, uh, you can also comment on the podcast blog. So that'll be episode 15 and episode 16 if you want to. If you would like to keep your anonymity, you may send me an email in order to uh, get a contest entry and just let me know something that you like about the podcast or something that you like to see improved about the podcast. Uh, you may also review in iTunes for double the points or rate in iTunes for double the points. And if you'd like to keep your anonymity just a rating on the stars, you can do that and just send me an email letting me know that you've done that. And well, that gives you three contest entries in total, right? You can find those blogs I was talking about at the spliffpodcast.com slash podcast. Uh, you can call me if you are visually impaired and want to enter the contest too. Or if you have any questions or comments, want to hit me up, 209-86-SPLIFF. I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Mass Roots now too. I know I was talking long shit about weed maps, but I mean, let's be real. Like they own everything. They've taken horizontal and vertical integration and they're like, we're going to throw some Z axis and some alpha beta gamma axis on this graph and we're just going to dominate. It's like spherical integration is what they've done. And it's impossible not to use them. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to hold them accountable, but you've got lots of ways to find me. I'm on SoundCloud and of course iTunes. So I'm around you guys. Let's talk. What would you like to know? Uh, I hope that you learned uh, some good stuff about CBD. I'm sure that I have so many things that I'm going to want to put in another podcast. I might have a CBD too coming up. But I'm not really sure. I know I really want to have a fun podcast. Any one that I can just kind of like not have to worry about my outline right now and, and just chill and really enjoy it. I love when you guys reach out to me and share things. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share my love of cannabis with you and uh, and just fucking vent all my shit out on myself and this is so therapeutic for me even though it's really anxiety inducing a lot of times it's been an incredible 16 weeks uh what's up mark thanks for always shouting out to me i really appreciate it uh on your old facebooks uh you guys are rad thanks for spoofing it with me i'll see you next time ciao for now My neighbor and I are good now, too. We uh, we resolve some stuff through the landlord, like adults. And uh, when she's being too loud now, I just threw a temper tantrum against the wall with my feet. And she gets the message. So we're good. 
we're good. Thanks for asking.